Got to crank up my computer here. Hang on. Okay. Mm, get it to turn over. <laughs> Have you been changing the oil? It should be good. It was making a weird noise. You know, a Mac a Mac will go 6,000 miles between oil changes, but if you don't do them, eventually it's going to break down. Okay. It's all about maintenance, folks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maintenance. That's right. That's your tip for this week, people. Maintenance. <laughs> mm. We could do a whole show on that. <laughs> okay. Topic. You are listening to Priority, a podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother, Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled Time, Cost, Quality, or Cup Holder? For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on the podcast today, visit us online at priority.fm slash 16. So, Katie. Yes, Max. (laughs) How do you know when you're done? Um, on the wedding registry, we got these little thermometers that are on a little stabby needle. Um, Ding! <laughs> I said the phrase stabby needle. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Uh, um, well, I'd, I'd rather use a stabby needle than a bludgeoning needle. Oh. Ring, ring. Um, so, um, I'm going to pick up on this and I don't know if you'd be interested in following this trail anyway. The way you said it was, how do I know when I'm done? Which is interesting mm. because, um, I don't know, sometimes in some situations when I'm trying to do work, um, I let frustration and stress get the best of me. So sometimes my emotions, my emotional reaction to um, how something is going can really get in my own way. <laughs> so sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes I know when I'm done because I'm too frustrated to continue. <laughs> Ah, very good. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, something you were expecting to hear. <laughs> no, you've uh, you've uh, interpreted the question incorrectly, and it's great. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> no, that's that's not at all where I was going, and I like it. I like it very much. Um, yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> that's a good way of putting it, though. And one, it is actually something that occurred to me when I was prepping for this topic. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking more in terms of how do you know when a given piece of work is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but um, while I was gathering materials, I was reminded of something uh, Michael Neal talked about in um, an audio program of his called Effortless Success. Um <laughs> which uh, it, it sounds kind of new agey and, and law of attraction-y with that kind of title, but it's actually a lot of very practical, you know, psychological tips and tricks to, to get yourself moving. Um, but one thing he talks about there that I like a, a lot um, that I think relates to your interpretation of my question is uh, the concept of being done for the day, mm-hmm. you know, of, of setting yourself a certain amount of work or a certain amount of time to work and making sure that, you know, when you're done, you're done and you, you relax and take care of yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly the way that you interpret it makes me think of, you know, there's a certain state of being sort of in the flow, in the groove. Things are working. Things are happening. And then at a certain point, um, they're not anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you might feel like you can do this all day and well into the night. And, you know, this is great. This is, never happens. I never get this much done. This work is never so easy or you know, <laughs> so so polished on the first first draft, first try. Uh, and it feels like it's going to last forever, but it doesn't, you know, two right, hours later, right. like, you know, you're banging your head in a wall and you need a break or a walk or a drink or sleep <laughs> or a break, walk, drink. 
a breakwalk drink. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, a a Duck Dynasty branded breakwalk drink. Oh. <laughs> now with homophobia. Um, <laughs> your your full day's complement of vitamin C, vitamin D, and racism. All in one single dose. Um, yeah. No. There. What what it makes me think of is <laughs> the question would be more like. How do you get yourself to get something done? <laughs> um, <laughs> like when you know you, you need to, it's not done and you need to push through to the end. Right. Um, no, I think the idea of whether or not a, a project is done or a creation, a product is done um, is interesting because there, there could be a lot of different factors. Um, so if I'm thinking of um, school-related things, which I often am, I'm a student and a teacher, um, there will be there will be times where I'm getting into the the final stretches of a project, and I'm really actively weighing. Um, okay, what are the teachers' expectations for me for what this project? What quality should this project have by the time it's done? Mm-hmm. Um, versus, okay, for me personally, I would feel comfortable if it had these qualities by the time it's done, um, and sometimes. Um, I'm sacrificing one of those things if I know there's a deadline coming up and and something has to give. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm thinking about all the different factors that weigh on that. Um, sure. Because I have my own compass for what's important. Um, right. Yeah. On the yeah, the I like the word compass you used uh, in talking about sacrificing factors. There's a um. There's a, a concept in project management. Um, I, I, I think they talk about it now in terms of constraints, and they list more of them than just this. But mm-hmm. but classically, it was sort of thought of as like they call it the triple constraint or the project management triangle. Mm, and there's, yeah, these, yeah. there's these three three sort of, of limiting factors, which are, are time, um, uh, time Money. cost, and then mm-hmm. either scope or quality or you know some, some word to, to indicate like how good it is or how much of it there is. You know, so we'll, we can just call that quality for right now. So like time, cost, and quality. And right. the, the reason they call it the triple constraint or the triangle is it's it's like a triangle in that like it, one one corner of the triangle represents each of these things. You know, your budget, the possible quality, and the time you have to do it. And if you move any element of that, like if you if you push the time, you know, uh, corner in one direction or another, it's going to pull the others. Right. You know, and right. it's like you can uh, – there's there's an old joke where, you know, it, people used to say, yeah, time time, cost or quality, pick two. Um, yeah. And then later the joke became pick one, you know. Like <laughs> if you if – you, if the most important thing is the budget, you're not going to get it tomorrow and it's not going to be the best one ever. Right. If the most important thing is how good it is, it's going to take time and it's going to take money. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the most important thing is time – you're going to have to spend some money and you're probably going to have to cut some corners. Uh, mm-hmm. Not triangle corners, but, you know, metaphorical corners. Mm-hmm. Chop it off and then it's a trapezoid. Right. Or um, some such thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's right. Um, mm-hmm. I'll have to double check. I, I'm not positive. Yeah. Not, not a, a geometry teacher. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's... Um, if, uh, there was just a new project management book that came out um, from uh, from Franklin Covey, 
<laughs> yeah, Franklin Covey <laughs> book to talk about. Um, project management for the unofficial project manager. Um, and as I'm thinking about now, I can't remember if this isn't the one that just came out or if I'm getting this from the old their old project management book from like 16 years ago, huh. uh, which is called To Do, Doing, Done, um, <laughs> which is the title with the most ellipses of any title I've ever had to type out on something. Um, and now I'm going to have to type it for our show notes too. Damn it. Um but uh, they have they, they mention in there like the importance of prioritizing those constraints um, and prioritizing like even beyond those three constraints, also prioritizing, you know, within your project, like what are all the things that, you know, we talked about scope creep a few a few weeks ago. What are all the things in your project scope? Like what are all the desired outcomes of this project? And put those in order, too, because mm-hmm. if it comes down to the wire and you've got to sacrifice something like, you know. If you're putting together a competitor to Microsoft Outlook and it's going to have a calendar and email and tasks and notes. Uh, and a cup and a holder. Good, and a cup holder, you know, if we run out of money or it's time to ship and something, you know, some things are still buggy, like where do mm-hmm. we put our resources? What do we sacrifice first? And obviously I think you sacrifice calendar, email, and tasks before you sacrifice the cup holder. I mean, the name of the show is Priority, so. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Let's I, talk priorities. Are important. You know, <laughs> Beverages. You, you, as as you know, I am a doctor, and you need to keep hydrated <laughs> as you work. I like how your tone was very much <laughs> exactly the same as in other things. Um, no, yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying about this idea of what gives when mm-hmm. when the resources, yeah. whether that's time or whatever. Well, and, um, and put it to put it back in terms mm-hmm. of, of academia, you know, if you're writing a paper, like. Which which of these is immutable? Like, do you want it to be the best paper you've ever done, or do you want to absolutely make sure you get it in on time because the teacher has like a zero tolerance policy for late late work? Right, right, yeah. So I think part of in this case, so we're talking a lot about constraints. I think you have to know what's between you and done. Because um, mm. I'm thinking of other things too. Um, well, let me back up a little bit. Maybe it'll, it'll all come to, maybe it'll all come together, Max. We'll just see. Today <laughs> on Priority, does it all come together? Um, I was thinking about how um, throughout different sort of phases of a project, you could say. So I'm thinking in particular of, of writing projects that are turned in to a particular audience. So mm-hmm. um, whether that's seminar papers, in my case, in graduate school, so the final product that's going to a professor, um, usually constituting a large portion of the, the grade for the course, um, we'll say 30%, something like that usually, um, I will have to sort of keep my, my we'll go back to Compass, keep my maps sort of in my mind um, mm-hmm. about what are the different... Um, like, what do I need to cover before this is ready to be turned in? So for a while, that's just generating content, right? I need to get right. words on the page. I need to define the scope of my material. Um, I need to make sure that I'm generating enough that I'm going to be able to name what my topic is and with confidence, again, say what the scope of that topic is um, and know that I can cover it. Um but then at a certain point, I need to zoom out and go to a different part of the map, we could say, um, and focus on other processes. I need to see how the organization looks. Am I barfing out these words in an order that will make sense to the reader? Um, at a certain point, I need to stop what I'm doing messing with the content itself, and I need to 
go through and look at my technical stuff. I need to see if I've got the citations I need. I should run spell check. Um, maybe I should read it aloud. Maybe I should pull someone in to listen to part of it um, to see if I'm making sense or if I'm just on a coffee high or what's going on. <laughs> um, yeah, so sometimes I think for me, and maybe this is um, just sort of a, a more personal anecdotal way of thinking about it. Um, I think for me, done is when I'm comfortable with my priorities, I guess. I don't know. Cause like, for instance, I would not be comfortable turning in something that had all the ideas, but was sloppy. So maybe Mm -hmm. had errors or had typos, had weird formatting that was not standard. Um, so for me, that would not be done for another human reader. Um, Mm -hmm. but that's just me too. Um, yeah, you know, and I hear this a lot from student writers too, talking about, um, how sometimes they will be way harder on themselves than their peers ever could be. Um, because they, they look at their own work. They have a certain level in mind. They have a bar that they've set for themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think it's interesting and maybe that's not, um, something you're thinking about when you brought it up, but no, but I think it's good. Yeah. Like how much done is in your head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the definition oh, of done yeah, is 100%. in your head. Yeah. What yeah. do you think? Uh, I, I think that's interesting. And it's, um, it, it shades into something I, I flagged as a source, but I didn't actually um, consume. There was a, it's an art, there's an article on life hacker that had a YouTube video in it. And I didn't watch the video because as I think I might've mentioned before, I don't usually watch video online. <laughs> Um, you know, with the exception of things like Netflix and Hulu, like our TV mm-hmm. mostly comes from the internet. Um, but like if a news story is an, if a, if a news story, like I click on an article and it's mostly a video and then like a one paragraph of text underneath, I close the tab immediately and go do something else. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't generally consume videos. So in this case, I've just read the synopsis on, <laughs> on Lifehacker. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a video, uh, by Z Frank who is talking about sort of perfectionism and, mm. and work and knowing when you're done. And, um, the, the point that he makes, at least according to whoever, you know, summarized the video for this text, um, is that there's, a, there's a certain point when you are finding yourself like making small, strange little edits, um, that, that are just, you know, like you are, you are polishing, tiny little cracks that no one will ever know are there. You know, mm. you are, you are tweaking things way beyond the scope of anybody's attention on your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, you know, no matter how big a perfectionist you are, you're done because it is almost surely good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also reminded, I saw this, I saw, I haven't read this book. It's a, it's a book about motherhood. So for several reasons, I haven't read it. Um, but I saw the title the other day and I really liked it and it's called, uh, good enough is the new perfect. Hmm. Which I like. Um, is the title being sincere or is that a critique? No, it's it's sincere. It's saying, you know what like, I mean. You know, we need to we need to get over the idea that any of this stuff. And I, I assume there it's talking about things like how clean your house is, or you know how how uh, organized your kids' schedules are. You know, it's it's probably talking about things like that. Um, but from what I gathered is it's 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 meant to be sort of inspiring and liberating and saying like you you don't need to have like this you know mm-hmm. June June Cleaver idea of motherhood and making everything look and work perfectly sure in order to get it right like mm-hmm. you know perfect perfect is whatever's good enough that your kids <laughs> are reasonably happy and healthy and yeah. get through their day yeah well that's kind of groovy because that comes back to um, sort of what I said earlier about like 
knowing when I'm done, like <laughs> the bad sort of done, like, like, yeah. ugh, I am over today. <laughs> right. Um, I think that's related because mm-hmm. if your idea of done is a little perfectionistic, um, mm-hmm. then you are going to burn yourself out getting there. Right. And, and you won't get there. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, that's the other mm-hmm. thing to keep in mind with, with so much of this stuff. Um, there probably isn't going to be a perfect, and especially not to you. Like, you talk about, like, people being harder on themselves. Um, when we listen to a really good song that was well-recorded and well-produced and well-written, um, what we're hearing is probably one of the most perfect versions of that that ever existed. Like, it was done in a studio under ideal conditions with world-class musicians, mm. probably playing the same parts over and over again and getting sort of layered and mashed together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sound engineers doing whatever it is sound engineers do to it. Uh, I, I will bet you for most artists and most producers, though, like, their, you know, studio time is expensive, and eventually you've got to ship a record or you're <laughs> out of business. Mm-hmm. I will bet all of them will listen to those and still hear things. They're like, oh, I, I wish, you know, that I wasn't a quarter note flat on that one. <laughs> you know, I, I wish I had a little bit more time to layer in some more guitars mm-hmm. here. I wish, you know, this, that, the other. Mm-hmm. But to most of the listeners who really like that song, that song could be quote unquote perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in writing too, we see that a lot where we'll read a, we'll read a well-written editorial or essay or book and feel like it is flawless as the audience mm-hmm. because we can't see it or think about it at quite the same level of detail that the author can. Um, cause we don't see what, what ended up on the cutting room floor. No, right. Metaphors. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we only have we what's in front of us. We only have what's in front of us. We don't know what ideas didn't make it. We don't know what facts couldn't be corroborated for this article. Mm. We don't, we don't know what other turns of phrase might've been there. We don't know what joke he was trying to make, but couldn't find a way to land without sounding like a racist to go back to the last <laughs> week's topic. Yeah, um, we, yeah, yeah. we don't. We don't know. Uh, we don't know um, the six things that Beth thought of the next day that she could have changed, but she'd already sent it to the editor, and he'd already sent it off to the publisher. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes. Um, so to us, it looks perfect. It looks flawless. Like mm-hmm. this is, you know, that's that's something I find about creative work. Like I'll listen to somebody else's podcast, and I hear a finished product, and I listen to ours, and I hear where I stopped editing. <laughs> Yeah. You know, because I, mm-hmm. I know, because I know that this one's a process. I know that this one's a struggle. I know that decisions and compromises have to be made on this one. Everyone else's, they just come out. They just appear. And that's <laughs> the way they've always been and will always be to my ears because I can't hear what took to, took it what it took to get there. Right. You weren't privy to that process. Right. Um, so, so, you know, mm-hmm. I could be doing this to the same level of polish as somebody else. And it will always sound less polished to me because I know this is just right. like, you know, it was Thursday and I had to get it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, this is so – oh, so many interesting things. Um, so the – all the things. There's too many trains in this moment. Um, so that last bit there was, was making me think of um, – so in writing center practice um, – a common strategy is to have either the writer or the consultant read the work aloud. Mm-hmm. And part of it is that so you can manufacture some of the distance that helps you not just reread it in your own mind and be saying the same things like, oh, I don't like this sentence. I don't like the sentence. This is gross. I don't know what to do with it. You know, that sort mm-hmm. of micro stuff that um, the consultant may not hear or see the frustration you're having, but they can help you get out of it if you're willing to read it aloud and realize um, and think about um, 
what you would like to do with it. Um, yeah. So I was thinking about that, how, um, like you can get out of some of that, those inclinations to wordsmith the same sentence over and over and over again, um, Mm -hmm. with some reassurance or some perspective or whatever. Um, or, or a lot of practice. Yeah. Either way. Um, but I mean, like when you're having a hard time shutting off that perfectionist part of your brain that is not actually helping you make it any better, but you feel like you feel compelled to keep tweaking or keep doing whatever. Um, yeah, so I think there are ways of getting other people to help you out of that. Um, but part of what's tricky is because the stuff came out of your own brain, that mm. that does make it hard to see it in any other way. Right, So, right. So one thing that will happen a lot is um, if a student is reading their own work aloud, they will read it the way they had it in their brain, not the way they actually see it on the page. So the mm. student might have left out a word or have the wrong mm-hmm. verb tense. They will skip right over it and say it the way right. they yeah, meant you, it. You mentioned that before, mm-hmm. yeah. It's super interesting. Um, but that's also why that process can be valuable because then at the end of the sentence or the paragraph, the consultant can stop the student and say, oh, I don't know if you noticed, but on this line, here's what you said out loud. Is that what you meant? You know? Right. And sort of slow your brain down and... Point yeah. point out what it's doing. Yeah, I uh, that it, it occurs to me that might be related to the phenomenon of just you know, and everyone's talked about this is in, in in writing. One of the reasons you want other people to see your work is you will go blind to certain errors. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I I actually I encountered it this week. I made a couple of last minute tweaks to the show notes um, for the previous episode of this podcast, um, and. I, I made two like colossal <laughs> errors in the hmm. wording. Um, I had I had like two gerunds in a row. Um, like I, it was like having surviving. <laughs> oh, whoops! <laughs> and I had the word two twice in a row in another sentence. Um, two two. Yeah, it, it was like um, you know two to be or to live or or something, and it was like two to live. Um, they call that I, the the ballerina error. <laughs> It's only two two. You'll catch me on in this show. Um, <laughs> that was awful. Oh man, <laughs> cutting all this out. Keep uh, it, keep it. <laughs> but both of them, I only saw right after the episode came out, and luckily it was right after. It was mm-hmm. immediate. The only reason I saw them is I happened to read the show notes in Overcast in my in my podcast app, which of course is a different font and it reflows the text and yeah. you know, it's not it's not the same as looking at it on the website or in the mm-hmm. browser which is where you know in the editor mm-hmm. which is where I typically see it before it goes live. Um, yeah. I think it's only because I was looking at it in a different format in a different, you know, different spacing, different lines, different mm-hmm. different breaks that it finally jumped out at me and realized, "Oh, hey, you're an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> because at that point I had seen it like 12 times. Right. And hadn't noticed. Right. No, so earlier I was talking about zooming in and zooming out on on your map, on your scope, mm-hmm. whatever, on your perspective, however you want to say it. Um, the same thing's true in writing. Sometimes you, well, what am I trying to say? Um, one thing I will do if I'm trying to think about the piece as a whole is I will literally zoom out until I can see every page at once, but mm. I'm I'm just looking at the shape of the paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Um because like in the in the last project I did, I had 
it wasn't terribly long. It was maybe a 14 page essay. Mm-hmm. I had maybe three or four subsections that were broken up by subtitles, not subtitles, subsection titles. There we go. Subheads. Subheadings. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do English. <laughs> I'm a haberdasher <laughs> of English. Um, <laughs> title. And by title, I mean my title, not title of the episode. Um, but yeah, but zooming out will help me look at the shape of the whole thing. I'll get to see paragraph length and structure, how many paragraphs per um, subsection. And not necessarily because I, I have standards about what those things ought to look like, but if I'm getting... The platonic ideal of a paragraph shape. Oh my God. <laughs> if I'm being weird, I could make it like in the shape of something on the page with my margins. That'd be fun. Um, but yeah, but getting a different perspective sometimes mm-hmm. will let me think about it in a different way. Kind of, kind of literally in that case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, thinking about, I think this would be a little bit harder for, um, something like writing or even like the podcast where we're doing something a little bit creative, but I, I think it's, you know, it's definitely the way to, to go about other kinds of projects and I think it can have value here. But one other thing I made some notes about is, um, you know, how, not just how to know you're done. We've talked a lot about how, how you know you're done sort of in a, in a, in a, in the moment sense, like how do you know when there's no further you can carry this? Like you, you start out with like, you know you're done for now because you don't have any more <laughs> in you. Um, but we've also talked about like how do you know this is good enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing I think that can help with that and that's probably more broadly a good perspective is also to think in advance about what done is going to mean. Hmm. Um, and I'll, uh, I'll bring him up for the first time in a couple of episodes. Our old friend <laughs> David Allen um, – a lot of what he talks about in getting things done, and I'll link to an interview where where he said this. Um, this he made this specific quote. Um, he says, "Quite simply, the way you get things done is you define what done means and you define what doing looks like." <laughs> uh, because guess what? Most people have not made those two decisions about most everything that demands their attention. Hmm. Uh, and and you know the core, the sort of core process, core message of of uh, GTD. I mean, there's a couple of them. One is you know don't keep things in your head. Um, yeah, and that might actually be the more important one uh, as we learn more about, you know, how the brain works. Um, but the other one is, uh, you know, make sure you're always asking yourself, like, what is your desired outcome? Clarify that and then clarify what, what the next action to move it forward is. Um, in this case, though, I, I want to think a little bit more about that that first one, clarifying the outcome. Mm. You know, what what does done mean? Mm-hmm. If you want to write a book, like what is the end of that project? Is it sending a manuscript off to a a editor or a submissions editor somewhere? Mm-hmm. Is is it you go into a bookstore and pick up a copy off the shelf? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what is what does done mean for that project? Right, uh, and it it sounds kind of silly. You know, it doesn't really matter what you're defining as that final goalpost because all of that will be true if you get it done and neither of those things will necessarily help you figure out what to do you know tomorrow right. to make it happen but at the same time i i think having that in mind um will help if nothing else it'll help help eliminate some possibilities for what might be entailed here mm-hmm. um yeah. you know if if done means you want to be reviewed in the new york times you know or or 
um, you want to have your book uh, get you on a such and such a talk show. <laughs> that's a very different project. Um, and you're, you know, creating more or less work for yourself based on what you what you define that way. Sure. Yeah. Because the the roadmap to get to either may be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you you may be creating an entirely second, you know, a, <clears throat> if, if what you want is to write a book and have it out in the world, like really all you need to do is write a book and do a little bit of research about how to get it formatted properly to put it on Amazon, you know, <laughs> in their Kindle, Kindle right. direct publishing program. Like, you know. What do you what do you mean by write a book? <laughs> what do you mean by write a book? <laughs> um, yeah, no, that is a super interesting question. And I think on the surface, it sounds a little easier um, than it sometimes is in practice. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of, for instance, um, in competitive speech, um, when we're working with students on their events, this is a huge question of what what done means. Um, and it's something that sort of like with writing, especially for undergraduate students, um, developing and maintaining, you could say, speech events is very much a process. Um, I don't think there's a single example I can think of where an event will go out to its first tournament and end the season in the same shape, in the same state. Mm-hmm. Um, the content will change, the presentation right. will change, the order and organization will change um, based on the way audiences receive it, based on the way the topic literally changes. Um, you know, a lot of the prepared events, um, the topics are things that are ongoing in society mm-hmm. and culture. They sure. are literally changing every day. There are always new developments. Um, in informative speaking, for instance, um, people may be (laughs) on the cutting edge of some technology or some product that's coming out. And once it's out in the world, like you have to follow that Mm -hmm. story to see how it keeps going. Yeah. Um, Well, and and even mm -hmm. if you're not on the cutting edge, I mean, at this point, um, this is a topic you know much more about than I do, but I (laughs) bet I'm still close to right. (laughs) There is a graduate student working on literally everything at this point. Like somewhere, somebody is pushing everything forward. Right, right. There could be new information about any topic at any time. Uh huh. No, last week we were <laughs> talking about a technology um, that will probably exist in the future, um, which means that someone somewhere is working on it, right? If we can conceivably see that it's mm-hmm. coming. Right. Yeah. So, all that is to say, um, these students are constantly working through these projects. Um, you know, it may change slightly week to week, even, you know, mm-hmm. we go to tournaments on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, but during the week, you could be making changes every single week. Sure. Um, but there is a point at which some of that is sort of unhealthy and unproductive, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. the student is so busy with homework, it they literally cannot and should not be trying sure. to tackle a speech change. Um, right. Well, and, and you've mentioned before, like, uh, with, with interpretive, like, like dramatic events, too, like, there gets us to a certain point where you don't want to work it anymore because mm-hmm. you're going to get kind of wooden, kind of robotic, I think was the word you used. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, like as, in, in a more informative sense, like Z. Frank said, like, you, you might get to a point where you're making small, strange edits that don't really contribute to anything. Right. And you're just loading your brain down with trying to rememorize something that was fine the way it was in that case. Yeah. So it's an interesting question then, especially when we are helping the students set goals for the end of the year, especially, um, like going into nationals. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so we we have various events and time set aside to do preparation for nationals. Um, but one of the big questions that students really have to grapple with is, how do you know when you're ready for nationals? And that is going to depend so much on the individual topic, on the individual student, um, on what's literally going to be constraining those decisions and what's possible leading up to the tournament. Um, but I think it's really similar to what you're talking about with how do you know when you're done? Um, there's only so much preparation and so much that you can control in speech. So how do you know when you've hit that point, when you really mm-hmm. have done everything you can? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in a lot of cases, and, and just like for a lot of projects in the real world, I think, um, <laughs> some of it's going to be you're done when uh, when the deadline gets here and you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, this is this is the version that existed the day it was due. <laughs> right. So yeah. how did you get here? <laughs> um, I, I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago we talked about Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and you know I told you uh, I I wanted to put in even more audio from the show, but I was out of time. Mm-hmm. You know the version mm-hmm. that went out, I, I think it was well edited. I think it's one of the better jobs editing I've done mm-hmm. uh, for the show, but. <laughs> It was just like I was talking about, like, you know, a a few minutes ago, like this is the version that existed on Thursday. So it's (laughs) what went out on Friday morning. Right. Um, Well, and I think in in modern life and the modern workforce, we have to be comfortable with some of this stuff. Um, We lose a lot of control because of these constraints. And, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like that book title you brought up. uh, good enough good. is the new perfect. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, um, it's not so much what makes something done or great, but what makes it good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, like done can't be synonymous with perfect. It can't be in a lot of right. cases synonymous with great. Mm-hmm. Um, done has to be good enough. Like, what is your good enough? What are you comfortable with? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that yeah. comes back to, to priorities. Like, what are you comfortable? Like, which which of these things will you sacrifice? Mm-hmm. You know, and which won't you? You you should have probably something you don't compromise on. You know, you can probably hold to perfection, you know, or hold to a standard of absolute greatness for one thing on your project. Mm-hmm. But you should also know what that is going in, right? Because you won't be able to with all of them, right? Is it time, cost, quality, or cup holder? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I believe that's uh, that's literally what it says in the Project Management Body of Knowledge. Guy. It better. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm reminded by the last thing you said of, of another quote that I, I wrote down on my show prep, um, attributed to Steve Jobs of Apple fame, uh, which is real artists ship. Mm. Um, and that's something, it's kind of funny coming out of Apple because we tend to think of <laughs> Apple as somebody who like polishes everything to the nth degree before they put it out there. Mm. Uh, but I think you do, I think you do see it in their products. Um, this, this mentality of shipping rather than polishing endlessly because, um, virtually everything they do, they have made decisions and sacrifices on, uh, Hmm. like, like the new, uh, they just, as we're recording this, um, there's a new MacBook that came out, um, fairly recently, just a few weeks ago. That is their thinnest laptop ever. It's super light. It's only two pounds. Hmm. Um, Gets great battery life, uh, you know, works really well. It's it's a Mac, you know, it's it's a it's a high end computer. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't work on it until they could make it as powerful as a MacBook Pro, 
you know, or a, a uh, animator's high-end desktop workstation. Like, mm-hmm. it's a pretty weak computer as Macs go. Like, it is, it is the low end of the line in terms of computing power. Mm-hmm. Um, I could probably edit the podcast on it. Surely you can even edit video on it, but you shouldn't make a movie on it. Gotcha. Um, you know, they could have worked on it until they had something that was two pounds and that thin and mm-hmm. had just as good a battery life, but was powerful enough to do all that. Mm-hmm. But they'd still be working on it they'd probably be working on it for another five or 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, instead they said, what are we, what are we prioritizing here? Well, we want it super thin, super light and still have good battery life. Right. And everything else is great. You know, if we can fit something else in mm-hmm. and they, you know, they made, they made sacrifice beyond even power. They made sacrifices. A lot of the reviews of this thing have talked about in order to make it so thin, they took some of the travel out of the keyboard. So the keys barely move. Huh. Um, the mouse pad doesn't actually click. It's a flat sheet of glass that doesn't move. Oh, so you're tapping. You're tapping on it, and it it senses the touch just like an iPhone screen would. Uh, It does have, like, a little motor in it that makes a little vibration, so it feels like it's clicking. Hmm. But it's not actually clicking. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, Was that purely for the sensory part of it? uh, Yeah, and actually they are using it in some interesting ways. Um, Like, it's it's giving you a little bit of vibration feedback in certain apps as you – like if you're if you're panning through a, a clip in iMovie and you hit like the, the boundary of it, the edge of it, you get a little feedback from the from the mouse pad. Gotcha. As though you're kind of like stretching, you're hitting a barrier. Huh. Um, so they're they're using it in other ways too. But yeah, the primary thing is just to put some feedback back in because people would probably be kind of weirded out if it didn't move at all. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd be like, "Did I did I click or not?" Yeah, yeah. But anyhow, the the point mm-hmm. being, like, you know, the the trackpad doesn't click. The keys barely move, mm-hmm. um, you know, because Apple said, we want to <laughs> ship this thing in a reasonable amount of time, and these mm-hmm. are the things that we will not sacrifice. We are going to make it as thin as possible, as light as possible, and still have good battery life. Everything else, you know, we want, but those are the three things we're not we're not done until we've hit those three. Mm-hmm. I thought there was going to be a full stop there, and you were just going to say, because Apple said so. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like we are bringing uh, it back to parenting or something. Yeah, <laughs> because it kind of does. Because kinda I does. thought so. Um, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. But yeah, they, they, they will, you know, they will ship mm-hmm. before something is completely perfect. And in mm-hmm. fact, going back to um, last week when we talked about uh, sort of audience and, and you brought up uh, Marco Arman's article, uh, Has Apple Lost the Functional High Ground? His whole point was they were probably shipping a little bit too much. Um, mm-hmm. you know, because they were, they were putting too many things out too often and the quality was slipping. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that I think is a reaction on their part, part to the opposite, which would be to polish everything until it's perfect before shipping it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, if you do that on every trade of everything you do, you never ship anything. Yeah, no. So I'm thinking of, I've got an, um, an example that takes this from work explicitly to an interpersonal level. But I think it it does come up in the office and you know various work settings too. Um, so the the anecdote that that made me think of it was um, so last week um, I was uh, we hosted um, a dinner for my staff in the writing center who are these are undergraduate students um, and the end of the year is sort of it's sort of appropriate to use that celebration to honor the seniors who are graduating and leaving. Um, for their work on staff. Um, this year I had five students, um, five seniors at the end of this year. When I was trying to find, um, 
personal writerly gifts to send them away with, just something from me to them that I wanted them to have to remember their time at the school and working at the center and the work they've done and what they've meant to campus. In my shopping, the frenzy of all of it, I forgot one of the five people. Oh, no. I realized Do you want to say on the air who it was? (laughs) I don't know if that'd make it up to her or not. (laughs) I don't know if any of this makes it better or worse, but I feel like I should own it. And I I owned it with her. I owned it to my whole staff. I felt like such a jerk. Um, (laughs) Yes, no. And when she Mm. showed up, like my heart just sank again. I was just like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Um, But I had everything else with me. I'd had it in my car. I had these gifts and these, you know, from the heart, handwritten mm-hmm. notes to everybody. Um, I knew what I was going to say about the seniors Except in Beth. general. Poor Beth. Oh, bless her heart. Um, <laughs> but I got there and I had a decision, you know, part of me said, okay, I could just not take out the bag with the other gifts. I could, um, get them to the students individually later. Um, and just say the things I was going to say out loud anyway, but save the mm-hmm. gifts for, you know, you know, private, personal, right. later, individual, Um, but (laughs) because of how I had framed this event, this dinner, um, I felt like it, I needed to stick to my guns and, and own that it meant a lot that as a group, we recognized these people, even though I had sort of forgotten one of them completely. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You had not fully defined done ahead of (laughs) me. Uh, no, I just totally forgot a human existed. Um, <laughs> she yeah, should have been in your scope statement. It was so bad. I just couldn't believe. And it's not like, it's not a huge school. It's not a huge staff. I know exactly who she is. It was just a very odd oversight in my shopping frenzy. Um, but in this case, so here's, here's the tie. Um, I decided I, I wanted to still ship something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. I still wanted this thing to happen. Yes. So then my secondary choice was how do I explain <laughs> the part that I wasn't able to get done because I had forgotten it. Um, so I had four of the five sort of mini presentations ready and the the products ready. Um, so I bit the bullet and I um, I owned it right away. I said this is horrible. You will not believe this, but somehow so-and-so I forgot you. (laughs) Your gift is forthcoming. I still love you. You're still wonderful. You're a great human being. (laughs) I completely forgot you existed. (laughs) Um, so, and it was fine. And it, it worked out that this woman is one of the sweetest people in the world. She would never, Mm -hmm. um, take an oversight like this personally or let it affect her in any way, shape or form. So really I lucked out that it was her, (laughs) (laughs) that nothing could be read into it. Um, but it was hard. So I'm thinking about how, um, the ways that we, um, so if we think of gestures and relationships as products, um, like, you do have to decide what, what done means when it comes to your attention um, and expressions to other people. I don't know if I'm saying mm-hmm. that quite – I'm trying to think of a way to generalize it. But, it, but like, you have to decide when is that homemade birthday present done. Right. You know. Um, yeah, there's uh, – I'll bring up David Allen again. May as well. <laughs> um, 
already broken <laughs> broken the uh, broken the seal long That's embargo. What they say. Yeah, <laughs> broken the seal. <laughs> uh, that reminds me, I gotta go to the bathroom right after this. Um, <laughs> it's a podcasting thing. <laughs> there's a, there's something that that I um, he talks about as sort of an example in I think it's both in making it all work and in the revised getting things done, but he cites sort of examples of projects, quote-unquote, that we wouldn't normally think of projects, like improve huh. relationship with my son. Oh. Um, you know, things like that. Like, what would, and, and I mean, it's, it sounds kind of silly to make a project out of that, but at the same time, I think there's something valuable, and and it goes straight into what you're talking about right now, in asking, like, if this relationship were going really well, what would it look like? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. what does what does better relationship with son, what does good working relationship with um, writing center volunteer, <laughs> what does that look like? What would we be look sounding, feeling like? What would we be doing? What kinds of things would we say? Mm-hmm. Um, and what what parts, you know, and then you've you've got a scope for the actual project. Like mm-hmm. what parts of that are am I not doing right now? Yeah. No, that's totally what I had to do when I, you know, when I put on my on my to-do document, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, prepare writing center banquet. Mm -hmm. I had to think about what that meant. Like what would, if I want to call it a banquet, (laughs) what's that going to (laughs) mean? Like, will there be food? Will there be enough cup holders? (laughs) Right. Um, Will you have, will you have linen napkins and lace doilies? (laughs) No and no. Um, (laughs) It's a banquet though. I suppose. Shouldn't the servers be wearing um, white gloves? Yeah, you've been to the small town where where we are existing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah <laughs> the doilies I, would be more. Uh, I also I also constantly confuse the name of the the town and the name of the school, <laughs> which is hilarious and says a yeah. lot about <laughs> the relationship between the two. Yeah. Um, or or says a lot about my attention to detail. I don't know if that's quite fair, but something. <laughs> yeah, but no, I had to break that project down and think about mm-hmm. okay, what am I picturing and how do I get there. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and to the point I, I I kind of jokingly accidentally made just now when I said, you know, <laughs> linen napkins and, and servers and white gloves, um, if anybody else is involved, like, you also can't just say banquet. You know, this is this is a, a tip. <laughs> Project management hack. Don't just um, say banquet. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't just say banquet if you are working with anybody else on a project and assume that you both have the same picture in your head of what that will be when it's done. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why in, in project management specifically, you do things like you define what is the scope of the project in terms mm-hmm. of work and budget. Like, what mm-hmm. are the constraints we're working in? What are the desired results? And, you know, in the Franklin Covey sense, like, how do you prioritize those? Right. Um, you know, what is the purpose of this project? And you get that all in writing and you define acceptance criteria. Like, who will sign off and say that, yes, this is good enough, we're calling it done? Right. And what are we agreeing in advance are the things that, you know, if we hit it, it's good enough, you sign off on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, you say banquet, and I think, you know, waiters in white gloves. And <laughs> and you're you're thinking, like, you know, the, the red plastic Dixie cups. and <laughs> Not quite. Somewhere a... in between. But, right, if you, if you say banquet, one person could be picturing white gloves. The other person could be picturing a plate of chicken wings, for all you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I just, I think the only other thing I jotted down was um, a few weeks ago, I talked about the four disciplines of execution and 
um, the metaphor they use for sort of the, the things that keep goals or projects from happening, which is, you know, they refer to it both as the whirlwind or the day job. Hmm. Um, it's like all the stuff you've got to do normally that stops you from, from finishing the project. Hmm. And uh, in a lot of ways that reminds me of, of stuff we've been talking about with um, – you know, sometimes what happens and the reason you know you're done is because you run out of time mm-hmm. and it's that day and it's time to go give the presentation, give the banquet, you know, turn the paper in, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think that just underscores, I think that is very true. Uh, you mentioned like the, you know, just the pressures of modern life and how things work and, you know, stuff changes all the time. I think given all that, it is it is super important when you can to think a little bit about what done does mean because mm-hmm. um, y- things will always make your project done before you're ready if you don't. <laughs> yeah. And conversely, you could keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You – yeah. yeah. In, you, in other situations, yeah. Right. You mm-hmm. will You will always um, either polish it past the point of usefulness or um, run out of time. And not be able to do everything you're thinking of. So figure out what what done means and do that first. And then maybe worry about the other stuff. <laughs> Any other thoughts about when this episode is done? How how do we know, Max? I, you know, we didn't really talk about that ahead of time. So I think we have to keep going. You have been listening to Priority. Once again, for complete show notes, or if you'd like to send us feedback via email or subscribe to the show, visit us on the web at priority.fm. If you enjoyed the program today, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive rating and review, as that will help new listeners find the show. Also, if you're interested in getting updates or communicating with us via tweets, follow us on Twitter, where we are at PriorityFM. That's at P-R-I-O-R-I-T-Y-F-M. Thanks again for listening. Well, let me back up a little bit. Maybe it'll, it'll all come to, Maybe it'll all come together, Max. We'll just see. Today on Priority, does it all come together? Well, while you're thinking about that, I'll just say, um, if the question is, does it all come together, I'm going to say no, uh, <laughs> because I've heard our show. <laughs>